they like prodded her out of her little jail cell and when she came out she didn't want to walk the way they wanted her to walk and we could tell that she had seen this before she knew what was about to happen to her because she was refusing and they were kicking her and she was screaming in this footage and she touched noses with another mother pig the other mother pig was watching she touched noses with her and as she turned her head the farmer came with a bolt gun and just bolt gunned her in the head she dropped to the floor i'm gonna try not to cry she dropped to the floor and spasmed for like 10 minutes and she was just spasming and they came up and they just they wrapped a rope around her neck and dragged her out and just slit her throat in the death pit and left her body there and her babies had to watch that that's how we treat mothers all over the world Today, I got Leah Dolinger on the podcast. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. She created Meet the Victims. She has been charged 22 times for rescuing animals, trespassing onto farms to document the conditions, and she is just one of my biggest inspirations. So without further ado, let's freaking get into it. Enjoy the episode. This episode was recorded in October of 2020, so keep that in mind when you listen because a few things have changed since then. Leah now has 27 charges as opposed to 22, and she was also given an ankle monitor by the police for the past 415 days. I can't even imagine what she was going through. I really would love to have her on again to talk about that. Yeah, she was awaiting her sentencing, and recently, just the other day, she found out she was not convicted but she has some pretty hefty legal fines and she's just an incredible person. So I'm very excited for you to listen to this episode. You can follow Leah at Leah Dolinger underscore Wetton and follow her Meet the Victims account. Enjoy. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. (laughs) This is so exciting. So why don't you kind of just tell everybody where you're from, what you're up to these days. My name's Leah Dollinger. I'm an animal activist in Australia, in Brisbane. I'm just doing activism in Australia, getting charged, going to court, still (laughs) spreading the meet the victims message. So that's me really. You're doing it all. You're doing it all. Get in charge. I love it. And that's like almost like it just... I know. It's like, oh, oh, nothing. Just getting charged. Literally. It's a hobby of mine at this point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, you're such an inspiration. And we're going to like talk about Meet the Victims. And I want to get into that because I think that just part of this movement, we got to get people active. We got to like get people more selfless. And I want to hear all about the arrest and all about that. So like, what was just your vegan journey? Like, how did you even get into veganism first? So first I went vegetarian when I was eight years old. My dad took me to a battery farm, a local battery farm, just to get some cheap battery hens, some backyard hens for my mum, just to have in the backyard for eggs. And yeah, I just went with my dad and I saw inside the sheds when the lady went to get the chickens and I heard them screaming. I saw them stuck in the cages and she grabbed them by their legs and ripped them out of the cage and just tied their feet up and threw them in the back of my dad's car. And when we got them home, I remember them just looking up at the sky and they had no idea what the sky was. And they didn't even know how to walk. Like they were standing there frozen. And this, this does happen when we rescue now, when we get chickens home. Sometimes they're just so frozen and they're not sure what to do. They have never seen this outside world. They didn't even know it existed. 
it actually reminds me of um, a lot of like horror or thriller movies that you see where someone's been kept in a basement all of their lives. And I can't remember this movie name, but there's this girl and her son has, they've been kept in a basement forever and they don't even know the outside world exists. And it just reminds me the animals are actually gone because I recognized that in them. And my mum told me the truth about what had happened to them. Um, and I just said, I don't want to eat animals anymore. At some point I said that to her and she supported me and she went vegetarian. My sister went vegetarian because I actually didn't know about the dairy industry and the, the I knew about battery farms, but I, I believe that free range was free range. Um, and I did. didn't know that all the baby boys were ground up. Yeah. I didn't know the baby boy chicks were all ground up because they're deemed as waste products. And I didn't know that the boys in the dairy industry are smashed on the head or just killed as veal um because they are also deemed as waste products by the industry so these are things i just didn't know as a vegetarian um and no one told me and then animals australia sent me a leaflet in the mail and it said that the mums cry out for their babies for days and sometimes weeks and i was just like shit that's so bad so that's when i recognized it but i didn't fully go vegan then it wasn't until a guy started at my work i was working in real estate and this guy Mark started there and he was vegan and he had been a nutritionist for 20 years and he was like one of those in your face kinds of vegans and I'm so grateful for him because he pushed me to be vegan and then James Aspie I saw on TV and then yeah from there I just became an activist. So you just became an activist what was the first thing that got you into activism because you're seeing people like James Aspie yeah. I remember the first time I saw like James Aspie or Joey Carbstrong or even you I was like I don't know if I can freaking do that like that yeah. I'm so I would be so nervous you know so like what yeah. was the first step into that for you it was photos and pictures that I will get I was getting from Animal Liberation Victoria and other pages and I didn't know how to get into activism and then um, a guy actually contacted me from Animal Liberation and he asked if I wanted to come to their, their next protest. It was a secret protest. Um, it was a counteraction against the dairy farmers. The dairy farmers were marching, I think, for they wanted money. They wanted some support during the drought, maybe. I can't remember, but it was a counter protest. So I went along with them and they had dead baby calves that they had obtained from sneaking into the dairy industry and getting their bodies um yeah so that was my first ever action and the dairy farmers literally sprayed milk cow's milk all over us they had um like bottles like spray bottles and they were ripping our signs from us it was crazy it was my first activism um and oh one of the girls God. was screaming like what did you have in your coffee this morning? Yeah, that's right, dairy, and we brought it to you. And I'm like, no, actually, there's almond milk and soy milk. Yeah. Um, it was hectic. And then, yeah, from there I went to my first vigil, which I was really scared about going to, and it did actually have the effect that I thought it did, and I did go home quite suicidal. But mm. I knew that those pigs that I had met even though they were no longer with us and here, that they, as a species and as other souls here um, that share this planet with us, that they needed me to keep going. So I just kept going after that. 
I think for those of you guys that are listening, as Leah said, I think vigils and actually meeting the victims is what Mm -hmm. did it for me and what got me more active, what got me speaking up, what got me selfless. So if you haven't been to a vigil, even if you're not vegan yet, right? If you're not vegan yet, go to a vigil. To a vigil, yeah. Go and just see the victims, see the animals. And I promise you- yeah. You will change. And then they can make up their mind. Like, I think that everybody has that responsibility. And that's exactly wanted people to meet them, whether it be coming inside with me or seeing others' live streams of who they are, they're individuals. And the slaughterhouse is the end, the end of the suffering for them. And I knew that there was so much more suffering beforehand. And that's why, yeah, I think that everybody should have to meet them. It's yeah, it's unacceptable. We need to be responsible for our actions and look at the consequences mm-hmm. that there are. So why don't you describe um, some of the conditions that you've seen? So if you guys haven't been, like you're gonna learn right freaking now what mm-hmm. the hell goes on. Yeah. So the first rescue I ever did was out the front of a vigil, um, out the front of a slaughterhouse, and they were broiler chickens, and I had never rescued broiler chickens but I actually had broiler chickens when I was a kid my mum got these little chicks and you took them home as your pets and they grew up to be these ginormous abnormal looking chickens and I didn't understand why they were different to the other hens that we had and then one day I came home and my chicken was dead on the ground and then not long after the other chicken was dead on the ground out of nowhere and then you know I was like eight or 10 around that age I still never knew what happened but as an activist now I understand what happened those are genetically modified or specifically bred to grow at such a dramatic and rapid speed and get to a slaughter weight by the age of six weeks old one week two weeks three weeks four weeks five weeks six weeks they're huge and they are sent to slaughter and killed so it's not healthy. So going inside these places, I've been into many of the broiler sheds in Australia and I understand that they are exactly the same in every country. Every country says that, you know, our standards are different. It doesn't happen here in Australia. It doesn't happen in Ireland. And I think that's what is so powerful about Meet the Victims is that we have been in so many of the same facilities in different countries and been able to prove that it actually is the same everywhere. So yeah, when you go into like a broiler shed, there's up to, I think, 45,000 chickens per shed and 30 to 100 die per day by themselves per shed. And that's coming from somebody I actually know whose parents have broiler sheds and he gives me this information as well. It's not just facts that you read online. They die from sudden death syndrome because their little hearts can't keep up with that rapid growth. They get splayed legs, so they're outwards. They can't stand up. They starve to death because they can't stand up. They fall on their backs. We actually find them on their backs, just like flapping their wings and unable to get up. We find them dead on their backs. It's not just the suffering, what we are doing to them and the cruelty and the unjust, inhumane treatment that we're doing to them. It's they aren't healthy. And if they make it to the slaughterhouse alive, they may have just died the following day from an illness. And that's what people are eating. They're eating unhealthy, decaying flesh. Every single slaughterhouse that I've been to, I see parasites coming out of their buttholes. I see tumors, pus, like they snot coming out of their nostrils. Yes. And people call this dinner. 
Yes, I know. And people just don't realize because this is, it's the way that it's purposely been created and built on secrecy and lies and media. And that's why I've got that tattoo. Whoever controls the media controls the mind. And that's true. They just put up ads about chicken and, you know, protein and iron and all of these things. And it's not our fault up to a point. I think when you're old enough, you have a responsibility to look into what you're eating and who you're hurting and look into things. It's just, it's, it's everywhere. Everybody knows that something isn't right. And if you don't look into it or you do and do look into it and turn a blind eye and look away, then yeah, you're responsible for a lot of suffering and sadness. So um, let me ask you, even if these advertisements were true, let's say they lived a freaking beautiful life. Mm-hmm. Like, can you explain to people like why it's still wrong to consume these products? Even if the animal yeah. lived in, in the Taj Mahal, it doesn't matter. Well, this is the other thing. So people drive past paddocks of cows and they think, wow, that's beautiful. They see cows, you know, paddocks of cows grazing away in the sunshine and it's fresh green grass. When I drive past a paddock of cows, I, and I said it yesterday, actually, we were driving home from an action. I stopped and said, we didn't pull over. I mean, I just thought and said, that's so sad. I was looking at them because even if you give them a good life, like you're still portraying them as a farmer, you're portraying them. And the farmers, like, how can you do that to them? And also to the consumers, like, it doesn't matter if they live a good life. It's like people who are against dog meat and against, you know, children being abused. It doesn't matter if you treat your victim well before you slit their throat. It doesn't matter. Like I can treat my dog beautifully and then in six weeks time, I'll slit his throat. Is that okay? No, it's not. And it's not okay for human children and it's not okay for any other, you know, pets that, you know, animals we view as pets. So why is it okay to be doing it to these animals, whether they get six months in a paddock grazing or they're suffering in a broiler shed and never seen daylight. You're taking somebody's life who doesn't want to die. It's unnecessary violence. People will try to find justifications for all of this, literally for anything, for all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's one of them is I remember before I went vegan, like that was one of the things I told myself is, oh, like they're killed so quick or like they lived a good life to try and justify it. But we can't do that. Yeah. And so what you've done mm-hmm. is you've actually brought this to light through this global movement that you've started. So like, how did you go about yeah. starting Meet the Victims and how did this become international? So I was just doing activism with Animal Liberation Victoria. And then, yeah, I rescued my first little broiler chickens from a slaughter truck. And after that, the chickens that I rescued off the truck was also illegal. I got chased by the slaughter workers um, <laughs> and had to do the drive away with the with the chickens. But I was asked to come on one at nighttime. And I said yes. And I went out to a battery shed, which I had been familiar with because we see all the photos and things like that. But when you walk in, it's interesting because for me you just go numb it's as if your mind can't actually comprehend what you're seeing it is the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life and it just continues to get sadder no matter where I go I just keep seeing the same sadness um you know these little girls are just sitting in these cages and they're looking down like this 
That's all they do. They're just looking down. They have nothing else. So I continued rescuing after that. Um, but it wasn't happening enough and I wanted to keep going. So I started just Googling farms in my area. I went back at nighttime and checked the addresses. Um, and I just walked up to the sheds and started opening the doors and going in and rescuing and doing open rescue without a balaclava because we don't consider ourselves criminals. We're not criminals. We are trying to just show the, the public the truth and they have a right to know. So yeah, I was just doing open rescue and my open rescue footage was getting so much attention and I could see that people were connecting with the animals through me and through my emotions because I understood that sometimes when you see like a sad picture online, you just don't want to look at it. So you scroll past it. But what I noticed was if I was in the photo, people were very curious because what I was doing was illegal. Um, so they would stop and they'd look and then they'd see the animal and the suffering and see looking into their eyes. They had to look into their eyes. Um, and then they'd read my write up about my experience with them. And it was having a really powerful effect on people. So then I got charged for my first time um, with, theft of stock and trespass into a piggery and a broiler shed here in Queensland. Um, it took two years for me to ever get charged, which was amazing. And I was posting online for two years without a bellow flower and everything. So I did pretty well for that. Why do you but think they waited? Went, Why do you think they waited to charge you? I don't think they, I, they didn't know where we were going. So the police, they might see you doing something on social media and because people would always say to me, I'm reporting you. I'm going to tell the police. And I'm like, yeah, cool. We got charged because the farmer actually came across the footage and identified it as his property. And then the neighboring property was the broiler shed that we also went to. So he told his friend, his neighbor. Um, and then, yeah, they decided to charge us and call the police. So then I was just like, who the f does this guy actually think he is? Like, you are charging us like that was the first time I had been to a piggery or actually I'd been there once before, but the second time I went there, um, it was, but it was my first piggery I had been into and I just cannot even believe what we are doing inside these places. You know, the, it was full of staph infections. The pigs had staph infections, which is actually a breach. Um, there were wild cats in there eating the dead babies there's cockroaches everywhere. There's rats running around. There's cobwebs everywhere. The mothers don't get to see daylight. No one gets to see daylight in these places or experience the sunshine or grass or ever feel happiness or love. So, um, yeah, I was just like, you know, angry that this person, these two farmers thought that they could charge us for doing the right thing and I thought well I'm going to show the world what you're charging me for so I organized an event and I came up with the name meet the victims because that's what I was doing I felt like I was going in and meeting the victims and I wanted other people to come with me and meet them and then give the public the opportunity to meet them so yeah we had 68 activists some people flew in from Melbourne and even Adelaide as well and I took 68 inside and we locked it down for eight hours the farmers were very shocked when they opened the door and found us all sitting in there and then the police intimidated a few of us and half the team actually left early and then the other half of us 
34 of us refused to leave and the police had to call in negotiators to try and get us out. But I actually grabbed a little piglet and put her under my boyfriend at the time under his jumper and we snuck out with her and we just got her to safety. Oh my gosh. See, that is like <laughs> what keeps me going is like those yeah. moments, those rescues, like that one life. But so why, so when the police came, like, can you share with people some of the, the handling that they've, how they've handled you? Yeah. So they come in quite nice. They act like, yeah, they're on our side kind of thing as well. And one of their tactics is to um, offer us water and they're pretending that they care about your hydration, but really it's because they want you to need to use the toilet. So you leave earlier. So they're like, yeah, free water. But yeah, they end up getting quite impatient with you. So what was happening was they were speaking really calmly and trying to manipulate the team that was in there. But I was in the background saying, don't listen to them. And I was getting quite angry and quite worked up. I'd had 40 minutes sleep and I was exhausted. And I was like, do not listen to them. You know, if you're going to listen to them, you're leaving these mothers here. And we actually, the team actually divided and half left. But yeah, at the end, because half the team wouldn't leave, the police grabbed me by my hair because I had my phone and they knew that I was in contact with my best friend outside, Joanne. She was running the outside team. And I was like, okay, we're going to come out, blah, blah, blah. And I was walking out and the police grabbed my phone and ripped my hair at the same time and took my phone off me and yeah they after that we just walked out but they realized that we had snuck someone out and then they started they yeah they took off and they were searching everybody's cars on the road and stopping everybody so so um, what what can they actually do they can't physically remove you or like like yeah they can they can physically remove you and then they they can say we're charging you with trespassing yeah, so at that time, we didn't... Oh, no, I did get charged on the spot at that one. Um, they charged me on the spot. They actually hadn't even caught me yet for the one beforehand because they didn't have my address. So they worked out who I was after that and came looking for me. Yeah, they usually they just charge us with trespass or if we've taken an animal out of there, it's entering with intent to commit indictable offence of theft uh, of stock. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's yeah. where things get, I guess, more complicated. Yes. What is the importance of getting the media in there? And like, why don't the farmers want to even bring this to trial a lot of the time? Yeah, exactly. So we haven't ever had the media allowed inside. They did at the Meet the Victims in Canada. They came inside there. But the police gave the farmers hours and hours to clean up. Um, and they actually let some of the pigs out. They cleaned up all the dead pigs. They hose the place down and try to make it as nice looking as possible. But here in Australia, we've never had the media allowed inside. That's always, so we always have two requests. And one request is let the media inside. And the other request is for a rescue. And they've always declined both of those things. The farmers don't want the media inside because like they know that, majority of the public are against this suffering there's a reason that it's hidden away there's a reason you can drive past fields of vegetables and crops but you can't drive past and see what they're doing to the animals it's always hidden behind the bushland you always find it in the trees and it's in sheds hidden away if they advertise this on tv if they took a camera into a piggery 
and was like, yep, you need your protein. This is where you get your protein from. And they were filming the mother pigs suffering with wounds all over them and staph infections and showed their charts that are hanging up next to them that shows all of the medications that they're on, all of the antibiotics that they're on because they've got vaginal yeast infections and they've got ear infections and all of the wounds that they have. If they showed people the death pit where they drag the mother's bodies out when they're no longer profitable because they've used and abused their bodies so much that they are now giving birth to more stillborns. When that starts to happen, they're like, yep, she's not profiting us. They prodded her out of her little jail cell. And when she came out, she didn't want to walk the way they wanted her to walk. And we could tell that she had seen this before. She knew what was about to happen to her because she was refusing and they were kicking her and she was screaming in this footage. And she touched noses with another mother pig. The other mother pig was watching. She touched noses with her and as she turned her head, the farmer came with a bolt gun and just bolt gunned her in the head. She dropped to the floor. I'm going to try not to cry. I haven't actually spoken about this in so long. She dropped to the floor and spasmed for like 10 minutes and she was just spasming and they came up and they just, um, they wrapped a rope around her neck and dragged her out and just slit her throat in the death pit and left her body there. So that's how we treat mothers in Australia and all over the world. And her babies had to watch that happen to her as well. It is so psychotic. It is so psychotic. And the fact that this is still happening, it is so Yeah, I can't believe it. But it's it's because of the secrecy. And this is why they don't want people to know. Like, what I just explained to you. Imagine if they put that on TV. If they advertise that. Imagine if you went into the grocery store and where the meat is, the meat, where that is, those videos were playing with the truth. People would be horrified. And that's reality though. We are human beings and everything about our anatomy says that we are herbivorous animals as well. So yeah, it's just built on secrecy and they are coming at us strong now because they know that we are actually having a huge effect and the world more people are waking up. So I do believe that we have, we have a chance of healing now. We are a threat and they know what's coming. Like it's just, I mean, we are growing in numbers. We are exposing this information. The science is there. The science is so clear that we can thrive and survive off of a plant-based diet. Like we're, me and you are here, aren't we? Yes. (laughs) We're vegan. Now, now here's the thing is we have to stay strong as activists. We have to work together and we have to like take care of ourselves too. So I kind of want to move this into like, how do you cope with seeing things Mm. like that? What is the separation of like activism and your life? Oh, I never used to cope. I was in a really, really dark place. And it was um, after I broke up with my ex-boyfriend, one of my friends told me what he said to him and I didn't know this but my ex said to my friend Ryan bro she's gone into the she's gone into the dark and I don't think she's going to come out and he was referring to what had happened to me from being an activist and going into these places so we were going inside these places constantly like sometimes it was every week every fortnight going back and getting the cameras out and things like that um because our friend would do all the camera work but we would go with him and I'd just sit with the mothers and I'd go give them some food and stuff like that um and just film what I could um and yeah I would just most of the time when I'm in those places I'm completely numb like I said but it's when you get home you feel so scattered the sun is coming up 
and you watch everybody driving past as you're driving home from hell and they're going to their jobs and they're going on with the rest of their lives and I'm just like wow like they have no idea where we've been we're driving home covered in shit right now and we've just witnessed the most horrific suffering and a lot of times I've got dead chickens on me because I've taken out the ones that are suffering and I'm taking them to the vet but sometimes they die on my lap or I've got little piglets that I'm about to take to a new home I couldn't sleep and I actually I started smoking marijuana because I couldn't get any sleep and it was the only and I was against it I used to tell my ex-boyfriends off for that and I started smoking weed which became quite a bad habit for me because it's where I would go to find some peace and yeah, I just go into the darkest place and I have to go through the footage because I've got to make powerful posts. So I've got to go through the footage and, you know, choose who whose story do I tell today? And so that takes a lot of emotions and a lot of energy out of me. And I literally wanted to die. I wanted to kill myself. I was so unhappy, but I was like, no, nah, I have to be here for the animals. So it wasn't until my ex and I broke up and I got raided and I was getting so high. Like I was getting so stoned in my house. And just, I was actually fantasizing about killing myself downstairs because I couldn't handle what was going on with the world. And I couldn't see it getting better. Um, and then I got raided and I just came to this realization, like I need to take care of myself now. I can't keep going for the animals if, I'm like this. I'm sitting in this house alone, laying on my floor, completely stoned out of this world. And I can't keep going like this. So I just started hitting the gym. I've always like been on and off with the gym, but never consistent. I started going to the gym consistently. I was listening to Tony Robbins and Les Brown and David Goggins and just amazing speakers, having cold showers and reading, like reading self-help, beautiful books that the books and the YouTubes are really what helped me. And then obviously the physical activity helped the happy chemicals in my brain. And yeah, now I've just continued on this journey because I know I need to be a happy activist as well. Yeah, it didn't just happen overnight. You like put in yeah. the work, you know, and I find yeah, myself it's been like hard work. going into these places and just in my head, oh my God, it's so overwhelming. It is... Mm -hmm just to, to look at these animals like when we go into these slaughterhouses and like to know that we can't save all of them you know leaving know. the ones that we can't save behind I think that's I the hardest part so what about your I know you're really into fasting and like airborne and fitness and mm -hmm. talk about how that has also helped you. um the fasting has been like really good for my discipline and I have a lot more energy so my routine is when I'm going really well my perfect routine is to wake up early and I usually jump in and have a cold shower the cold showers are just so amazing like I've introduced my friends to them and they're just like shit this actually works I love if them. I'm depressed love. yeah you do too love. yes it's I do so it after I work out I, I won't yeah. do it like if I'm already cold I can't do it I have to like have yeah to already work out and then oh, yeah I'm yeah. lucky I'm in this beautiful Queensland state the sunshine state so it's always warm here but the water still is really cold in the morning. But yeah, it's just amazing when you are depressed or anxious to jump in the shower and have a cold shower. I don't know what it does. It brings you back to life. And I actually do my affirmations while I'm in the cold shower. I'm like, 
I'm happy, I'm love, I am loving, I am positive, I am grateful, and I think about what I'm grateful for, and then I quickly get out of the shower and I just take my dog to the beach. I live near the beach, so I go down to the beach and we have a beautiful walk. So I feel so much better on a fast and nature and gym, cold showers, listening to Tony Robbins, positive YouTubes, good books. It really does change your life if you care about yourself enough to pick up these tools that are around you and use them. And then you're able to be that much more present for the animals and for acting. Yeah. Yeah. And I can think clearly and I can communicate to my social media and to my friends and things like that. I can communicate clearly and positively about what I want to bring to the world and what we should do and things like that, rather than just being so angry and so hurt. It's not anger. It's hurt. It's pain. Yeah. Absolutely. What are the actions that we need to take? What do we need to be doing more of? Where do you see this movement going in 5, 10, 15 years? I just think that we need to be active and whether that's, you know, I strongly believe in meet the victims, obviously, and I would love if every single person would get around them. Like imagine if thousands of us showed up to farms um, and showed up to slaughterhouses and things like that. I believe in direct action. Um, and disobeying unjust laws and civil disobedience. But I understand that that can be confronting from, for some people and they've got jobs and they've got kids like that. I also do really believe in outreach cubes and things like that. There's just so many different types of activism you can do. Going to vigils, you know, that I feel like I had to leave vigils behind because I wanted to do more. But it was where I began and it was it was very effective. It was still meeting the victims and allowing people to see them. I feel like we just, if every vegan in the world was active, can you imagine how much change we would bring? The non-vegan community wouldn't be able to go a day without having to face what their choices are possibly you know, causing. How do people become brave and selfless? What is that process? Because as we said in the beginning, like you don't just go always just from eating plant-based to then literally going into these farms and risking your own freedom, your own safety. I don't know, like not everybody has it in them, but I was brought up with a mother who was a human rights activist and she was like, she's fierce and she will stand up for anybody and she will the way she stood up for my sister and I as kids if we were bullied it was already in me from a young age so I don't know how other people that if you watch other activists that are doing those kinds of things it gives you the courage to stand up to and also forcing yourself to watch movies like Dominion and seeing the cruelty because that will it's going to break your heart but it's also going to set a fire inside you and that's what the animals need and that's what they deserve we can put up with, you know, an hour or 15 minutes of watching a horrific movie of what's happening to them and take action from there. Exactly. And just keep seeing it, keep educating ourselves because we live in a world where it's like just yeah. so normalized. You forget and you need to relight that fire, get active, get out there. And you're yeah. such an inspiration. Is there anything else you wanted to add advice yeah. to non-vegans, vegans alike? Like just go for it. I guess just to, like I said, just to be active, if you can take you know, um, a day out of your week, every week or every fortnight, whatever you can um, to go out and support groups like and meet the victims and things like that. And also share online. Don't be afraid to be vegan. That is the biggest thing. And I 
I was a very strong vegan and I got vegan tattooed on me, but then I got to this point where I was a bit embarrassed about my vegan tattoo because I was being made fun of so much for it. But I pushed through that and no, like don't be embarrassed about being vegan, be proud, but don't be, I guess, arrogant and obnoxious. Just love because that's what veganism is. It's a beautiful thing. It's coming back to your true nature. So yeah, just be, be proud of who you are and spread the loving truth and the, the animal stories and also just not always caring so much what people think even if somebody's making fun of you like you are on the right side of history i know recognize it does affect us it does does affect us it like it hurts me i can't really read comments anymore because it actually does have a huge effect on me and now most of them use me as like a name drop like they'll be like oh actually my friend from school, Leah, you know, that's her on the news. And they're now using me as a name drop, which is interesting. So like, fuck off, yeah, just, buddy. We're not friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. But yeah, I like, I started with like getting two likes on posts and a lot of people get upset by that. But just like my advice is push on. It doesn't matter if you're not getting likes or comments, they are watching. And even if you lose friends and stuff, they're still coming back to watch. I think the hardest thing people, at least my friends saw on me was like, I went from this like maniac party girl, normal human being to like this social justice person. And I Mm -hmm. think that was like confusing for people. And then you're held to these standards. Do you ever find that? That if I want to post a fucking bikini picture of myself, I'm no longer credible as an activist. And I get this all the fucking time. Yes. Yes. It is ridiculous. You get it too? Yes. Yes. It's crazy. I, and I mean, That's I- That's why post, I had to start a personal page. Well, right. And I fuck, I love that about you. You're like, fuck off. Like, I'm going to do what I want to do. It does. You can walk around the beach butt-ass naked. That doesn't make you any less of a badass vegan actor. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I've done more than most people have ever done. And I'm online and I've got this following, like, what, 37,000 people on Instagram- and for some reason, they're so offended and so upset if I post something that's not activism. Like, it's as if some of them actually prefer when I'm depressed. Because when I'm happy, it's like, you party too much now. Like, what happened to you? Not even about the animals anymore. You're not Ugh. an activist. I get messages saying, you know, I don't really want to follow you and see you in your bikinis. I wouldn't want my boyfriend following you either. And I think, well, you better not let your boyfriend go to the beach either. And I'm in Queensland. It's boiling hot. Like, it's really hot here. So it's just, it's actual bullshit that we can't be normal people after we become activists. We're, like, held to this standard all of a sudden. I can support animal rights and also be naked on a beach if I want to. Yeah. It doesn't make us different. We actually have... Yeah, and I think they have a better effect on people going vegan by being normal. All of my, like, school friends that, like, unfriended me and wanted nothing to do with me, they've come back into my life. I've just been speaking to my mate. Now they feel comfortable to talk to me because I'm not this crazy, angry activist. I'm a normal chick that likes to party. I like to take selfies. I like to go to the gym. Yes. like to have a drink. And 
yeah, they they can relate to us again if we're not just an activist. And we go through these stages. I think, you know, when you first go vegan, like you do hit that angry mm-hmm. stage. Like I hit it myself and sometimes I still get back there. Like sometimes I just yeah. like, I can't, I can't contain I myself. Like, I'm very frustrated, you yeah. know, and, and, and especially with family. Ugh, but uh, I know another story, but, but yeah, I think it does show, <laughs> listen, people, we are, li- we are no different. I, yeah. And I post all different things on my social media. And I love that you said earlier, you were like, I posted people related to the animals through me. Like you said that earlier. Mm -hmm. And like, I find the same things and you, you can't please everyone because you'll have people coming in like, why are you posting yourself? You should just post the animal. And I'll be like, well, I like, if I just post slaughterhouse footage, nobody's going to follow me. Yeah. Yeah. You can't win. Even activists and vegans have messaged me online saying, I'm sorry, I have to unfollow you because your stuff is just too sad. And then I post stuff that's not sad and I get in trouble. Right. It's just, it's you can't win, so just no. be yourself. And yeah, like, and the other thing, like we were saying, it's normalizing veganism and people can see, hang on, when you go vegan, you're not actually suffering. You're not depressed. You can still party. You can yes. still like hit clubs you can still go to the beach and have fun you can laugh you can get drunk you can hit the gym you can do everything the same so yeah exactly. it's still a good time being vegan and, and still be a badass activist and, exactly and you are an amazing inspiration i can't thank you just so much for coming on and it's so nice to meet you if you're ever in new york we're going partying like i know the 100 percent, 100 percent. hopefully i can actually get over there and then we're literally gonna go party and we'll do a live stream and show people how vegan study we're doing a meet the victims here because new york has to yes. step up its game okay yes. amazing thank you so much leah thank you lovely talking to you all right bye guys thanks for listening bye.